Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, you'll hear dance educator Mary Wood in conversation with Corte Ballet artist Kevin Conley. This episode was recorded on Friday, March 29th, 2019, before a performance of Program 6, Lyric Voices. Hope you enjoy. Welcome. Welcome to the opening night of this um, particular program, which is Program 6 in the season we're calling Space Between. I'm Mary Wood for San Francisco Ballet. It's my pleasure to be here with you. I do want to remind you to check your program notes and also the website for all of the other uh, audience engagement programs that we have. That It's just been dense this season and lots of things to learn and to watch and to read. So uh, do look it all up and see what you can participate in. It's uh, my pleasure to be here in this Meet the Artist format to introduce Kevin Conley, who is uh, in his first season with the ballet. And so this is a good chance for you to meet this artist. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. It's always uh, fun to watch the ballet world turn and to watch the dancers arriving in San Francisco and watch their, uh, or to learn about the pathways to uh, any career in the ballet, and particularly what brings you to San Francisco Ballet. So why don't we just start with that? So start with, um, you know, where did you get your formation, and how did you end up here? Uh, Well, um, so... I started, first of all, I was a baseball player when I was in school. Um, so I, uh, my family would go to the Nutcracker. Um, I have a twin sister, and she wanted to be a ballerina. And so that's the first introduction to ballet that I had. Um, I was never interested in it whatsoever. Um, but I would always be waiting in the waiting room for uh, my sister to finish her ballet classes uh, because my baseball practice would always finish earlier than her ballet classes. Um, and there's only one really professional company in Rhode Island, Festival Ballet Providence. Um, she, she trained at that school, and the director is this um, Russian man, uh, and he would always come up to me um, while I was waiting in the waiting room, uh, smelling like cigarettes and, and with his strong Russian accent, and he would scare me and he would be like we need boys in ballet we need you know and and I just wanted to get rid of him so one year I decided you know what I'll just take the classes and and maybe that'll get rid of him and so I started taking the classes and um and I didn't like it um (laughs) I didn't um I was the person raising my hand to go to the bathroom like four times in one class and and but my parents would always tell me, like, if you commit to something at the beginning of the year, then you have to follow through with it. So that, that's what I would do. And for some reason, every year I would sign up. And um, We love those fate yeah, stories. Yeah, yeah. I, I would just, I don't know why I would sign up. And so um, when I started getting to middle school, uh, baseball started to really conflict uh, with ballet. Um, and I got bullied quite a bit as well. Um, people found out that I was dancing, um, and that became a lot. And so I decided, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to quit. 
And so I quit. And Nutcracker season came around, and I remember watching it and being like, you know what, I really do miss it. Um, and that's that's when I, I um, started back up, and, and my teacher told me that uh, if you're going to want to take it seriously, you should really invest yourself and maybe uh, go to a school that's dedicated okay. to ballet. And that's where Nutmeg Conservatory um, came into play. So Nutmeg Conservatory is pretty well known to those of us in the inside world, but... Um, Say a little bit about it, um, the type of conservatory it is. Um, so it's a boarding school, basically. Um, it's in Connecticut. Um, I just, my teacher uh, was a principal with uh, Boston Ballet, mm-hmm. um, and she had trained there. And so that's why she said, you know, if you, if you come here uh, or go there, you know, you might get some better training. Um, it would open your eyes more to the dance world because, you know, I, I didn't know anything about ballet. I mean, I was just taking it as an after-school activity for the most part. Um, and and she she took me to this this place, and I, I auditioned for the summer intensive, the summer program, um, and I got in, and I went, and I had no idea who Brishnikov was. I didn't know who Nureyev was. I, that just, I had no idea what ballet was in general. So it really opened my eyes to what ballet is. And, and you would train, um, you would do online school there um, uh, y- y- for the morning, and then you'd go home, you'd eat lunch, and then you'd train in the afternoon. Um, and, and, but when I went there for the summer intensive, it's, I, that's when I really realized, like, this is something that I'm very interested in, and it's something I want to do. And that's, um, I had a very serious talk with my parents, and... Um, we decided that it's something that I should go for and, and, and uh, try. And so I went there for the school year, my freshman year in high school, um, to the Nama Conservatory. And, and then you migrated south. Yes. So I was at Nutmeg for one, one year. And that was, that was I would consider for, for me, like that was my eye-opening um, place, like the beginning of what the ballet world is. You know, I had no idea until I went there. And then I was surrounded by all these other ballet dancers. You know, I was the only boy in the, the school at Festival Ballet. Um, so it was all new to me. Um, and so, of course, the summer came around. And, and you know, you want to go off and do different summer intensives. Um, and so I remember, I actually remember that ABT summer intensive was where I really wanted to go. Um, so I went to New York to do the ABT summer intensive. And one of my friends at Nutmeg... Um, told me there's this other really good school called the Herod Conservatory that's based in Boca Raton, Florida. Um, and they're having an audition the same day. Why don't you just swing on by right after and, and take that audition? And um, that's what I ended up doing. And um, the ABT Summer Intensive ended up being, I got into both, but the ABT Summer Intensive ended up being a little too expensive because it was New York to live in New York for, for the summer. And so I ended up going to Herod. And um, I went to Herod uh, Conservatory in Boca Raton for that summer. And uh, my whole idea of ballet changed from there. Like, the, the, it was very serious training. Like, very back to basics. Um, I realized what I was missing at the Nutmeg Conservatory. And, and I realized right when I went to that summer intensive, I need to be here 
to, to, to become a better dancer, and, and that's why I went there for the year. I want to ask a little question about that so that um, folks who have heard all the stories about the European academies um, going into the great state companies, mm -hmm. um, we've often said that the United States doesn't have that situation. But my understanding is that a place like Herod is about as similar as it, as it could be. So from what you've heard about the European conservatories, would you compare it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very different because here, um, you know, it's not like ballet is, is, is uh, quite the same as it would be in, in Europe and that kind of thing. It's not, the, it's not a very cool thing to do, for instance, especially if you go to a public school, that kind of sense, especially if you're a guy. Um, um, the thing within Europe is when you go to one of those uh, conservatories or, or um, you're in one of the schools of the major companies in, of the world, you know, you have those companies attached to the school. And it's very similar, actually, to, like, a San Francisco Ballet, San Francisco Ballet School, which is a great school as well. Um, I think there are very... I don't want to say very few, but there's um, not so many really good pre-professional programs that aren't connected to a major company in the U.S. And so Herod Conservatory is one of those schools that's a fantastic school that really prepares you. I mean, they've had their, their alumni is all over the world dancing in, in some um, fantastic companies. And so um, they are a very good school in that, that sense, for sure, yeah. Well, I want to um, make sure that we save time for lots of different topics in this conversation, but um, just moving forward to becoming a professional. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned that you actually were a competitor in the, known in the business as the YAGP, which stands for? Youth American Grand Prix. And it's, it's kind of an amazing organization. It's just come up in the last, what, 15 years or so. Um, and dancers um, train, they are, they perform, they're adjudicated, and they are talent-spotted. So all of those things, it's kind of amazing. But um, training for a competition seems to me to be an interesting, um, just a twist on training to be a professional. Well, yeah, when, when, you, when you train for a competition, it's more... Um emphasis is just put on that one thing. So you're doing a solo for the competition, maybe a paw, depending on the type of competition. YGP, normally you just do a solo. Um, I remember I did uh, the solo from uh, La Salfite for YGP. Um, and it was nice because it's something that I wouldn't have normally rehearsed um, in school. So I got the opportunity to rehearse a solo that, that maybe I wouldn't have done if I hadn't done the competition. So that was nice. Um, getting that one-on-one -on -one, um, coaching from my teachers as well. Uh, and, and it was something that, that I probably wouldn't have done, like that kind of dance, if I hadn't done that competition. So that definitely helped, yeah, for sure. And I understand you were a finalist. Yeah, yeah, up and to New York. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's nice to know. Yeah. <laughs> nice to put in the resume. Um, Moving ahead, you began your professional career. How did that happen, and where? Uh, so my director kind of just, we made an audition video when, at Herod, and uh, my director just kind of sent it to some people that he knew, directors that he knew, and the director of Tulsa Ballet is one of the places that he sent it, and he offered me a second company contract. 
Um, and I didn't really travel to audition to very many places. It was one of the offers that I got from the video. And so I, I just took it. And that's how I kind of, I, I made my way to Tulsa Ballet. That's not a usual story. We usually hear these painful stories of auditions and auditions and auditions and waiting for the calls. And so, well, yeah, congratulations I, on that. Yeah, yeah. How long were you in Tulsa then? Uh, six seasons, so six years. Mm-hmm. How large is the Tulsa Ballet? I, I think there's around um, 34, 35 um, main company dancers and then around 10... Uh, second company mm-hmm. dancer, so it's a it's a medium sized company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, just sort of sidebar, the Tulsa Ballet has a very very respectable history, being founded by uh, Roman Jasinski and Maslin Larkin, who were uh, former Ballet Russe de Monte Carlo dancers. They were. And um, Maslin Larkin was one of the five Native American dancers who, along with Maria Tallchief, have become pretty well. Um, Historically yes. well known, mm-hmm. um, so uh, performing in a company that has thirty to forty dancers is a little bit of a different experience than definitely a different with... experience. So, um, can, say say a little bit about that. Well, now it's now that I'm here too. It's a, it's a, and with this different perspective of a bigger company, um, it's great especially as a younger dancer, to be in a place like that. because, And especially Tulsa Ballet is a fantastic company. Um, the director really does a good job, um, Marcello, of getting fantastic choreographers, fantastic rep. I mean, um, I've worked with five of the choreographers in the Unbound series myself, uh, making new ballets in Tulsa. So, um, so they do a great job. Uh, one of the great things is you get opportunities there that you might, at a younger age, that you might not get if you were to go straight into a big company with 60, 70 dancers, you know? Um, so I think that's a big plus. You, you have more time um, for, for each performance. You know, here it's, you know, one after the next, um, very quick. Uh, there you have an entire month between each program. So you really get... Um, you really get that coaching. You really get... An, uh, uh, the teachers really work on you there, the ballet masters. Um, so it's great, especially when you're younger. It's, it develops a very good work ethic. Um, so that's maybe the biggest difference, I would say, because when there's a smaller company, the focus is on not as many people. And so you, you do, and you do get more opportunities, even if you're starting out in the second company. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas here, you might, when you're younger, if you're, you're an uh, apprentice or a trainee, you might do, you know, one of the side people just standing on the side for Nutcracker or Sleeping Beauty, which is an amazing experience, especially being here, you know. It's, uh, but um, with being in a smaller company, because they don't have the uh, leisure to just have anyone on the side, um, you get to dance a lot. You really do get to dance a lot, and that's that's it's great. Yeah. One night you're standing on the side; the next night you're doing one of the leads. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, well, moving forward, one of the um, exciting things on this evening's program is the world premiere by uh, choreographer Liam Scarlett. Our audience has become <clears throat> pretty well familiar; has found is very familiar with him now, um, and you have been. Um, We've seen you in quite a quite a lot this season, which is fun, mm-hmm. and um, you 
managed to get cast in the Liam Scarlet piece, which is exciting. Um, unfortunately, you won't see him tonight. But if you come over the weekend, I think, right? Sun- Sunday, I think. Yeah, yeah, right. And probably next week a couple times. Uh-huh. Um, so we, at this point now, I want to hear a little bit more. We want to hear a little bit more about that piece. And there's so much that we could ask you to say about it. Uh, working with Liam Scarlett is from the beginning, and your take on working with a choreographer who's creating a work and doing a world premiere, and then maybe segue into what is the audience going to see? What kind of a work can we expect? Well, I don't want to give too much away because it's you know it's a world premiere. So, but. Um... I had never worked with Liam before, so uh, it was an exciting experience. Um, we've made plenty of ballets in Tulsa, or I've made plenty of ballets with choreographers in Tulsa. Um, and that was, I think, the first choreographer that I worked with to make a new ballet here in this company. Um, so that was quite exciting for me. Um, and it's a choreographer that I've seen in video, you know, his stuff in videos and things, never, never live before or anything like that. But um, So it was exciting to me. To, to start the ballet. And I think um, it was really nice because he came into the studios with an idea of what he was wanting from this piece and, and, and what he wanted to portray. Um, so that, that, that was nice. It's always nice to work with a choreographer who has an idea of what they want, but he still had um, uh, open for interpretation, like for, for allowing for the dancers to contribute to the work as well. Because um, sometimes you might get a choreographer that might come in to the studio who has no idea, you know, and is willing to take anything from the dancers. And I think it's nice to have some sort of guidance, but also some sort of leeway into, to, you know, contributing. Um, and, and so he took this piece of music that, by Rachmaninoff who, that was influenced by a painting that he saw. Um, Excellent notes in your program, by the way. So, you do your home, do your homework. Yeah. And he actually saw Rachmaninoff made the uh, the the piece of music, um, and he saw a black and white version, which supposedly, if he had seen a color version, because this artist made multiple versions of this painting throughout his life, um, might not have composed this piece of music. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and so, if if you take a look at the painting, you might want to. Uh, look it up before you see the ballet just to see what the painting looks like if you haven't. Um, I think there's a big inspiration for what happens in the ballet based off of the painting. Um, And there's definitely a story. I don't want to necessarily say the story that's going on because I think it, again, is not fully set and somewhat open to interpretation. Um, But it's really nice because it has an idea of what I think it's trying to portray. Um, and then it's up to the dancers to do their best to, to do Is that. it a large-scale work? How many dancers are involved? Uh, there's uh, four core couples. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's um, a group of three principals, um, a principal couple, and then a principal soloist. Mm-hmm. So that, and that's the entire cast. Mm-hmm. So not a huge cast, mm-hmm. like medium-sized, you know. And um, it's what we would call a tone poem. The Rachmaninoff music is, um, well, its English translation is Isle of the Dead. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, so the, the title that's been given to the ballet is the German, um, right. Die Toteninsel. Um, my 
college German isn't great, but <laughs> close. Um, you say you actually have experienced just through video, um, yay, YouTube, um, the Liam Scarlet, other Liam Scarlet works. Um, do you, have you picked up a sense of anything that's kind of a signature Liam Scarlet-ism? because I've just seen clips. I haven't seen entire ballets. I mean, I'm, sh I'm sure most choreographers have their own um, style. Talk about his musicality. He's a very musical choreographer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, not in like a Mickey Mouse type of style. Because of, there are some choreographers that are like, this needs to be, like they, they make a step to every single yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. Um, he's not like that, but his, his, his choreography is very um, musical, mm -hmm. which is nice uh, to work with. Um, and the music is, is unbelievably gorgeous, um, which I think everyone's going to enjoy. So, and it, it helps us mm -hmm. on stage as well to dance to such a beautiful piece of music as well. One of the things that's interesting, and you can read this in your notes, is that the meter of the music is unusual. Um, most classical music you can break down into fours and eights and sixteens and thirty-twos, and sometimes subdivided by threes. Right. Um, um papa, um papa. And this is in a five. Yes. Five beats to the measure and I just and that doesn't appear very often in no and I believe more classical music Rachmaninoff decided to, to do that because it portrays more of this um, wave type of um, feeling you know it's it's supposed to kind of be this in the picture there's someone rowing a boat towards this island um, the island of the dead or, or whatever um, it may be um, and in front of the boat is a casket um, and so I think, I assume, Rachmaninoff saw that, and, and he wanted to, so, so because it's in a five, it gets this da-da-dee-da-da-da-da, you know, it, it sounds like these waves, like you're, you're traveling on your way to this, this, this place, this unknown place, this, um, and, and I think, uh, for ballet, it's a very interesting time signature to choreograph to, because it's not, um, it's not done that often. And I think he did a very good job of, of, of working with that. And, and you probably won't even notice that it's, it's not a normal time signature for people to dance to. So. The movement is the excitement. Well, we've saved a few minutes to take some questions for the audience, if you're up for that. Sure. So would someone like to start? How about right here? The question has to do with counting. And dancers, um, there's sort of a... Musicians call them dancers' counts, and sometimes disparagingly. Um, but so the question is, how do you count, and what do the counts, am I paraphrasing this right, what do the counts mean for you? So I tend not to count too much. Um, I'm a, a son of, of two musicians as well, so um, I was raised in a very musical family. Um, some dancers really like counts. They like putting everything to counts. Um, and, and some ballets you have to. Some ballets need to be very specific. Um, and then some ballets that you, c you can just sense um, through the music uh, what it is, you know. Um, I think in this new Liam Scarlet Ballet, uh, it's very easy. You don't need to concern yourself too much on counting the ballet, even though it's in a five. Um, 
because it is somewhat music. It's very musical, so you can hear it through the music. You don't need to constantly be like one, two, three, four, five, one, two. Or, you know, you, um, of course, there are some ballets for sure that you need to be very conscious about it, um, and and uh, definitely some composers that don't make it easy um, on the dancers and or, or even the musicians for sure. Um, that you have to count even if you're musical. Um, but I tend to try and not count too much because I think if you get too into the counts in your head, then it, you lose some of that artistry of just uh, dancing to the music. And, and then you just become dancing to the counts instead. Yeah. I would just add that when you have an ensemble and everybody is doing something just slightly a little different, to have the dancers' counts, which you know, can go up to 50, um, to know that everybody has to run forward on 13 is an important tool that would Oh, for sure, like yeah. That. It's just an organization. what you do thing. in a piece as well, counts, counts matter much more. If you're going to be a soloist, um, they might not matter as much as if you're going to be dancing with, you know, eight other couples because you need to match those eight other couples. So your musicality might be a little bit different, so then you do have to count and make sure this thing is on two or whatever it, it may be. Yeah. Question is, what is your twin sister doing? So she's actually a pharmacist now. <laughs> <laughs> she's the smart one of the family. In a different way. Yeah. <laughs> um, somebody else. Question, as a performer, how do you feel about performing classical versus more contemporary work? I... I like both, um, or I, I love both, or all, all of it. Um, they each have their own place. I think classical is fun for the pure classicism, the pure technique of ballet. It's, it's, it's kind of the more original form of it, um, which can be a real challenge, and that's what's fun about it, is that it is that challenge. I think contemporary, of course, it can be a challenge as well, but I think um, dancing more contemporary things, it, there, there's, um, there's a little bit more of a freedom, um, especially when you're trying to express something to the audience um, and not just dance it. I think that contemporary gives that certain classical ballets just don't. Um, so I really, I really love that. My, my, for me, the most enjoyable thing is to portray something through dance. Um, and I think a lot of contemporary ballets give you that opportunity, which is really nice. Interesting. Uh, we have time for another couple over here. How about yours? The question is, what brought you to San Francisco? Yeah, so um, even when I was in school, I did uh, summer intensives. Uh, in San Fr I did three summer intensives with San Francisco Ballet. Um, and I, I developed a pretty big love for the company. I mean, I admired all the dancers in, in the company um, at that point. And, and, and so it was always a dream of mine to, to dance here. And so um, this past season, I, I, I auditioned to be here and worked out, and here I am. So that's how I ended up being here this season. Yeah. Yeah. One way it happens is you just say, could I do that? And so you call, and you send the video, and you make the arrangement to take classes, and, yep. and then you are lucky when they say, sure. And you hope, <laughs> you hope it works out. Right. Um, one more. Over there. Yeah. Wow. Um, how many hours does it take from first learning new choreography to actually performing it in 25 words or less? 
<laughs> it really depends on the ballet. It depends on if they've done it before in the repertoire, if it's a brand new ballet. Um, for a brand new premiere like Liam Scarlett's, you might get a little bit more time, um, as opposed to something that they, like Rodeo, which the company has done more recently. Um, I wouldn't say it's that much time. I mean, the choreographers, so we, 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 we basically six hours a day um, during the beginning of the season. Um, but that doesn't mean that they have all six hours to work on their ballet. And, and so Liam was there for two and a half, three-ish three weeks. But that means that he had probably like two, three hours out of, out of the day um, that he got the group of people that he wanted to work with. Um, for those two and a half, three weeks. And then we, we started putting together after Sleeping Beauty um, for this week. So it's, it's not a whole lot of time. I mean, because there's just so, especially here, the season is um, one after the another, you know, you're just, so there's not a whole lot of time. There's time. But um, I, don't, I have no idea what the general amount of hours would be. But uh, yeah. That's a very, um, familiar question, and it's a good answer. I mean, that's the typical answer. Oh, it varies, and we're always working very fast is sort of the answer. Uh, we have maybe one more. Nope, we're going over. Um, I'm sorry we don't have time for more questions. Uh, for those of you who came in after we started, I've been in conversation with Kevin Conley, who is in his first season with San Francisco Ballet, but who is being seen in any number of featured roles. So watch for him in the weeks to come before this season is over. Um, enjoy this evening's performance and the premiere. I know that it will be very exciting. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. For more podcasts and other audience engagement programs, check out sfballet.org or your favorite podcast player.